Aloha, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. Today we're going to be talking with Dr. Martin Johnson. He has over 20 years of experience as a psychologist, and he is absolutely one of my good friends. Because, you know, today, Dr. Johnson, it's Monday. I was stressed. I was stressed. I'm getting ready, going to work. There's traffic. There's, there's schools are in session. There's traffic. There's people. There's someone always in the parking garage going slower than I want them to go. And then I'm rushing down, you know, King Street to get here to come on time to, to record the show and to be on with you for our audience. And, you know, I can just feel my heart rate going faster because I don't want to be late for anything. Hmm. That causes me stress. Tell me, Dr. Johnson. What causes you stress? <laughs> well, it's good to be here, Kathy. Thank you. Um, I think what causes me stress is the same thing as just about everybody else. Um, uh, a, a disruption in our pattern, uh, something not going the way we want it to, something that's important to us that we're anticipating and we worry that it may not uh, go as well as we want. Um, uh, you know, I'm... I'm married 35 years and uh, have a son who's almost not a teenager, but still a teenager. You know, all of the day-to-day things that we encounter um, cause stress. And, you know, I'll tell you another thing that causes a lot of people stress these days is simply uncertainty. Absolutely. COVID is a word that just about two years ago we had never heard of. Mm -hmm. And now it is... You hear people say it, think about it, talk about it multiple times every single day of your life. I think this is going to be one of those pivotal moments when people say, well, before COVID, I did X, Y, or Z. And now after COVID, this is how things are. And I don't think any of us in the beginning of the pandemic really understood or even even I didn't contemplate how big of an issue and how long of an issue this was going to be disrupting everyone's lives. Right. That's yeah. caused me a lot of stress. Sure. And I think for most of us, it came on very, very suddenly, right? I, I, I was talking to you just before the broadcast, and, and I, I, prior to the pandemic, I had done four telehealth sessions in my career. And suddenly the lockdown happened, and two weeks later, I was 100% telehealth and have been ever since. Um, you know, compared to a lot of people, that's a pretty minor change. I'm not I'm not playing my violin over it. Um, but it's just an example of how radically things changed and how rapidly things changed. Well, and I I laugh at myself at my first Zoom meeting where mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't have a good connection and I don't like this camera and I don't do Zoom. And this was right <laughs> right around the beginning of the pandemic. And I thought, wow. I mean, now I've sort of gotten really used to Zoom and breakout rooms and all this sort of stuff. But you're right. It was not just the stress of, oh, boy, life has changed. There's a lockdown. What do we do? But also the stress of now I'm in unfamiliar territory. I didn't do telemedicine prior to that. Mm -hmm. You know, we talked to people on the phone because they needed results or something like that. But there wasn't this idea of having to do a video interface and mm-hmm. having cameras and all these sorts of things. So you're absolutely right. It changed everything pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And then we've sort of gotten better at it. I mean, I've gotten better at telemedicine, mm-hmm. but there's a whole new level of stress with that as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's different when somebody comes in late and you see them and the next patient knows, okay, we're going to be a few minutes. Now we've got people that are, you know, I've got people in on video waiting for me in my office, but I'm with another patient, but mm-hmm. somebody's stuck in the bathroom and what do we do? Yeah. So your job today is to 
is to help me to de-stress, Dr. Johnson. And if you can make that work for me, I suspect you're going to make that work for a lot of our other listeners as well. So we've talked about possible causes of stress. You mentioned uncertainty. I would agree with that 100%. What about folks who get stressed because there's, there is a certainty that something serious has happened in their lives, you know, loss of somebody from illness, from COVID, not being able to see them as much as they want to, can't travel in some cases or go visit them because they might be in locations that are not uh, places you can go. There's certainty that somebody in the hospital may not have more than one visitor. And if that, maybe no visitors for a while. There was nobody allowed to go into the hospital. So those things are certain. And that also, I think, causes the same level of stress, maybe a different uh, different type, but mm-hmm. it does. It, it manifests and, and thoughts go racing and we just, our mind goes weird places. Well, yes. I mean, some of the certainties that we see are um, it's not the same, right? Mm. Um, uh, what we were used to is not the same. And then we get used to things. I don't know about you. I got used to not having so much traffic. Oh, wasn't that nice? That was lovely, wasn't it? Yeah, but and it's back. It's back with a vengeance, right? So as soon as we get used to that, then we have to adjust to it's not that anymore, right? And I think another thing you've alluded to somewhat is there's been a lot of loss. Mm. There's certainly, I mean, you know, 600,000 Americans have passed away from this, which is almost 150% of the American amount of Americans who died in World War II, right? The, the magnitude is really quite startling when you look at the numbers. Um, but even even if we haven't lost a loved one to the disease, um, we've lost graduations. We've lost birthday parties. We've lost family reunions. We've lost vacations. Um, we've lost pastimes. Um, you know, uh, I've really missed going to jazz clubs myself, right? Um, so, and, and we've missed just simply getting together and socializing, right? I think one of the things that's been difficult for a lot of people uh, in the pandemic is basically social isolation. That's a huge situation. Right. You know, we told all the older folks, particularly in the beginning, we told all of our elderly patients, you need to stay home and self-isolate. And this is the very group for which studies have shown that Mm -hmm. loneliness is actually deadlier for them than other medical conditions, Mm -hmm. just not having that interactivity. Mm -hmm. And yet we we unfortunately, due to trying to protect them, Mm -hmm. had to enforce these sorts of guidelines. And you're right. It definitely has had impacts on folks. And I have seen in all age groups, you know, one of the things I wonder is how can we validate that any loss is a loss that can be grieved, even right. if it's just <clears throat> I didn't get to have my graduation or birthday party. Mm-hmm. That is still very important to that individual as much as somebody else might feel I lost going to jazz clubs or I lost mm-hmm. one of my pastimes or being in a orchestra or going to visit we're going to see performances or visit family members. Mm-hmm. All loss is loss. Right. And it's okay to grieve it. It's important to grieve it. Right. It's, it's, you have to forgive my medical metaphor here, but uh, people who've been depressed are often afraid of being sad. Right. Oh, and, and they're afraid of expressing or grieving or, or going through the sadness. And I always remind people that depression is not sadness, they're two different things. And if depression is related to sadness, it's actually constipated sadness. It's unexpressed sadness. It's it's unexpressed painful emotions that we've just sort of clung on to. And as as we cling on to them and, and try to 
avoid them and not examine them, not express them. They just sort of build up and build up and build up, and then we're at risk of depression. So it is very important to grieve our losses, to to name our losses, to to you know call your friend that you were going to go on that vacation with, and talk about it, um, and hopefully have some laughs, but also acknowledge that that you know boy that's something missed, and and maybe one day we'll get to do that yet again, right? I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. You're listening to The Body Show. I'm here with Dr. Martin Johnson, and we are discussing about stress and some of the other factors that are now part of our daily lives given the COVID pandemic. When we come back, we're going to talk some more about how does this manifest and show up in our lives? What changes? And then we're going to talk about some great tips on what to do about it. We'll be right back after this quick break. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and I have my forever pal, Dr. Martin Johnson. He is a psychologist in the practice for over 20 years. And today we are talking about stress and the effects of the pandemic. And right before the break, we talked about how loss is loss and validating that for everybody is extremely important, but also understanding that, you know, things change. The only constant out there is that there will be change no matter what. Every time I think something's mm-hmm. settled and set, it's it's clearly not. Mm-hmm. There are ways that stress manifests, and I'm really curious to pursue. You, you said that people who have been depressed are often afraid to be sad. Mm-hmm. And I find that 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 definitely rings true because they're afraid to go down that path again where it was almost Mm -hmm. an uncontrolled depression and sadness Mm -hmm. as opposed to expressing it and being able to handle that better. Mm -hmm. What are some of the other ways that stress shows up in our lives? Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, Obviously, uh, different people in, in in our community, in our society, um, have been impacted different ways, and certainly frontline medical workers have been highly stressed. Um, uh, teachers in the public schools have been highly stressed. But but in terms of how it manifests, one group that I think is uh, not as quickly and easily recognized that's been very uh, highly stressed by this are um, uh, uh, college faculty and graduate students. Because in their world, it's all about intellect. It's all about thinking. It's all about cognitive process. And and they never have enough time to get that next proposal done, to 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 finish that draft of their thesis. To And now all of a sudden, they've got nothing but time. Is this why I didn't clean anything in my house? It's partly, yeah, probably. Because, you know, one of the things that stress does is it slows us down cognitively. It's harder to think. It's harder to think clearly. We think more slowly. Oh, I just didn't want to get up and clean stuff. Well, I just lost all motivation to do it. And so I think maybe that that whole idea of if I have a deadline, I'm much better. But Mm -hmm. if I have this open ended, it's going to last forever. 
you will always have laundry and dishes and vacuuming and everything else. It becomes so amorphous. I feel like, mm-hmm. oh, it's overwhelming. Sure. Any lack of structure, right, will make you – know, we'll, the task will spread out in the time we allow it. Yes. <laughs> that so, would be my lifetime. Yes. So if you, want, if you want something done, give it to somebody who's really busy because they'll get it done quickly. But, but actually stress manifests in one way as slowing down our cognitive processes. It's harder to think. Interesting. And for those people who think for a living, it's really been kind of torturous. Absolutely, because if their if their thinking process is slower and they have all these continued obligations, you know, we mentioned how you and I had to suddenly flip and pivot to to telemedicine, mm-hmm. and yet also classroom teachers suddenly were told, "Okay, you're used to a room of kids now." Do everything on on Zoom or on mm-hmm. Google Meet or on Teams or sure. Skype or whatever these platforms are. Mm-hmm. So change everything and use that. Right. And they also had to learn technology, but mm-hmm. real time. And the hardest part, I suspect, is that it's not just learning how to do it for yourself. But if you're trying to engage 30 kids in a classroom sure. and you've never done this electronically. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was trying to engage one patient and we would <laughs> giggle at my technological inabilities or theirs. And I'd be like, bear with me as we're on video and I call you on your cell phone because I don't know how to make the microphone work. Like it was sort of a joke that we were both struggling together. Sure. But that was one on one. That wasn't one in front of, you know, a full classroom of folks who mm-hmm. expect that you're the teacher, you're the expert, you're going to mm-hmm. know how to take this on. Right. Right. A whole nother level of stress. Sure. Right. What other ways do people manifest it? You know, I know people can get depressed about it. Mm-hmm. Their thought process can slow down. Does it make some people get hyperactive? Um, sure. Some folks will uh, just start to worry more. This is the, the, the sort of most typical thing that we think of when we think about stress, worry, anxiety. Um, in the extreme, we start to get anxious about our anxiety, and that will start to spiral. People can go into panic attacks, um, which is really disruptive and, and, and very painful um, and very treatable, by the way. Um, but but more commonly, it's it's increased worry. Um, some people will busy themselves in order to take their mind off of things. Um, that's not a bad strategy in and of itself, but it, like anything else, it could be taken sort of to an extreme. Um, another common uh, manifestation of stress that I see a lot is changes in sleep pattern. Mm. They're having trouble getting to sleep. They're having trouble staying asleep. Or occasionally, they're, they're sort of hypersomnia. They're, they're just in bed. They sleep 10 hours a day, 12 hours a day. Um, and, and again, you know, a change in sleep doesn't have to be problematic. But if it's a sustained change and it is problematic for you, then, then you know, that's a problem. Well, you mentioned something curious because I think a lot of us think about I can't sleep because I'm worried. But fewer people think I go to sleep so I can cut out the world. The hypersomnia I mm-hmm. find intriguing because mm-hmm. – you know, if you know, they always say if you get more than eight hours of sleep, then you might actually be more tired during the day mm-hmm. because maybe you just haven't really gotten your body on a regular schedule. Mm-hmm. But hypersomnia as as a way to sort of avoid reality, I suppose. Well, I, I had a classmate um, who remained nameless in graduate school, and um, every time exams would come up, uh, I would be frantic and, and not sleeping enough, staying up late studying, and she would complain that she just can't stay awake. She would be sleeping 10, 11 hours a day when stress really got bad. Um, And, you know, some people have that response. So uh, similar with appetite change, right? Some people when they're stressed can't eat. Some people when they're stressed never stop eating, right? 
and when we're in this sort of sustained thing. So usually when we think about stress, it's it's usually some sort of acute or or short term stress, right? We were, um, uh, you know, going to this program or this this school, or we you know we were getting our license passed or something. Um, but we're now you know eighteen months in, um, and so this is a very prolonged period of stress, um, and. You know, that's, you know, if we're not sleeping for 18 months, that starts to sort of have some real impacts on us. Um, Absolutely. Physical and psychological. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. You're listening to The Body Show. I'm talking with Dr. Martin Johnson. When we come back, we're going to talk about what are some ways to cope and manage stress. What are some tips that all of us could use, myself included, to help us during these really difficult, ever-changing, potentially problematic times where it's hard to see the light at the end of that tunnel, but there is one. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Welcome back to The Body Show. This is Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and I'm talking with Dr. Martin Johnson. He has over two decades of experience and certainly has calmed me down from a busy Monday. And now we're going to talk about what are the ways that people can cope and manage their stress. I almost think this is the most important part of what we're discussing today is not just that we all recognize stress happens, but more importantly, what do we do about it? So what are your top ways that you handle stress? Because I suspect they're probably more effective than mine. So when you have these stressful moments, the traffic or whatever else that happens to sort of push the buttons that we all know we have, what's your go-to plan? The simplest, and it's so simple that I think my patients don't believe me, but the simplest and most effective thing to do when we're stressed is to slow down and breathe. It's that basic. But we breathe all the time, and so that's no big deal. And so what's the – but if we slow it down, count to five as we inhale, pause. Count to five slowly as we exhale, pause. Do that for three to five minutes. You will be calming down. But when I tell an anxious person to breathe slowly or breathe deeply, they tend to do <sighs> – it's not working, and they just so it's it's a hyperventilation, which is not useful. A slow, gentle, almost silent breath to about a count of four or five. Pause, exhale the same count, and do that really three to five minutes. You will begin to calm down. I once worked with a, a an individual who um, <laughs> was very anxious and kept coming in to see me, and and I would give them all these different things to do, and they go, yeah, 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 yeah. But I'm really, really busy. You don't understand, Martin. I'm really busy. I don't have time for that, right? And finally, I said, well, you're really busy, aren't you? And I said, yes, yes, I'm very busy. I go, you get in and out of your car throughout the day, don't you? I said, yes, I'm running around all, ten, ten, 10 times a day. I'm like, well, here's what I want you to do. Every time you get in your car, I want you to open the door. And before you sit down, I want you to look up at the sky. Take a deep breath. Count to three. And while you're counting to three, enjoy how beautiful the sky is. Because here in Hawaii, it's almost always a beautiful sky. And then exhale and put your butt in the chair and go. It's just a count of three. Do you think you have time for that? And he looked at me with a little bit of a smart aleck look, and he goes, okay, all right. He came back a week later, and he goes, okay, you know what? 
I wasn't sure he was happy about it. It worked. <laughs> so just slowing down and taking a breath, right, um, is, is huge, right? Another thing that's very, very helpful in managing stress is to connect socially, right? Now, that's a challenge with COVID. We talked about social isolation. Um, but, you know, there are um, uh, cyber uh, coffee breaks, right? Um, I've had a cyber scotch with a buddy. Um, I made one new friend during COVID, and we sort of met on uh, discussion groups online and then found out we were both in Hawaii and, you know, have had outdoor breakfasts a couple of times and coffees. Um, but it's very, very important to connect socially. And, and part of the stress of the pandemic has been that sort of isolation. And even if it's just sort of sharing uh, what we're going through, um, you know, uh, now you can play, I haven't done this yet, but I've, I've been told that you can play Scrabble online with other people, right? Wow, there's a, there's I wouldn't app. have thought it. Right, yeah. Um, so if you like playing Scrabble or you like playing games, and there's, there's ways to do it online now. Um, and so it may not be as good as face-to-face. And, and these days, for those who are vaccinated, it's safe to sort of meet face-to-face and, um, and do that again. Um, but that social contact and, and um, reconnection uh, is really crucial. I love the idea that you started with something really simple that is essential that we have to do, mm-hmm. which is to breathe. Mm-hmm. And and yet we think we don't have time. People say, you know, meditate or, or do all yoga or do Tai Chi and mm-hmm. you'll work on your breathing. And often people are like, schedule something in the middle of my day. I don't think that's going to work. And yet incorporating it into your day. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I had I had a situation where uh, I was rushing around and busy and everything. And so I said, okay, I need to microwave this lunch for one minute and 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. And I am not going to run out of this room and go do two more things. Mm-hmm. I'm going to sit here and I'm going to breathe for a minute and a half. There you go. And it was like, wow, this is all it took. Mm-hmm. I was like your skeptical uh, Mr. No, it won't work, who comes back a week later like, yeah, it worked. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow, a minute and a half. I know everybody's busy and things can Mm -hmm. be insurmountable and you can be stressed about time. But to take that little bit to -hmm. just say, okay, let's be aware of the surroundings. Let's Mm -hmm. look at the sky or even just breathe in your own little room. You know, Mm -hmm. that's fine, too. It's such a simple solution. It is. And I think it's really helpful if we hook it to something that we do several times a day. So, for instance, this this person got in and out of the car on a regular basis. If you're a primary care doctor and you wash your hands on a regular basis, then be conscious and mindful of your breathing as you're washing your hands, right? Um, You know, so if you walk in and out of a door every time, you know, if you commute past the refrigerator like I do now, every time I touch the refrigerator door, something, right? But something that's repetitive and cues you to sort of pay attention to your breath for just a moment. It's funny because I had a patient tell me a few days ago, you know, when you tell me to deep breathe, you do it too. And I was listening to them with my stethoscope and I went, yeah, I guess that is a good thing, huh? And for those people who have to do lung exams, you know, this is an opportunity. Mm -hmm. Tell your patient to take a deep breath. You do it with them. Absolutely. And in fact, you know, it seemed to be really effective and it calms both of us down and and then we can continue to go on with the exam. But Mm -hmm. that, that sort of simple concept, but like you said, it sounds so easy and it can be, but you just have to take the time and recognize that you need to do that. So mm-hmm. breathing. And then the social connection. Now, I guess the question that comes up is social connection versus 
social media. There's a slight difference in that. Mm. I think sometimes with the social media, you wanting to get likes or people presenting perfect things on Instagram or Facebook. I'm dating myself because there's probably a new social media app that I've never heard of that I just am not on. But I wonder when we reach out socially, is there a way to make sure that our reaching out is authentic in a way that's going to be helpful versus not necessarily helpful if we go down this path of I need people to like me think I'm perfect kind of social interaction. Well, you know, you're probably aware of the research that the more time spent on social media, such as Facebook or Instagram, um, the more likely people are to be depressed. Um, it doesn't mean that uh, social media causes depression. I'm not anti-social media. In moderation, like anything else, social media can be a very positive thing. Um, but yes, I, when I'm talking about social contact, I'm really talking about a phone call or a, a Skype video call um, where you're having a conversation with someone. Um, someone you're familiar with, someone you like, and um, and you know they're interested in what's going on with you. You're interested in what's going on with them. Um, so that social sharing is just is just really crucial uh, to our our well being. And I like the video component. I never mm-hmm. thought I would after my first Zoom call where I where I hung up in protest. You know how much have I learned these days with some of the phones you have? You can get great quality video. And, you know, I might not have seen somebody in a while, but then I've seen them on video. And in fact, you actually get welcomed into their environment. Mm -hmm. You can be welcomed into their home virtually. There's also a lot of interesting groups now. I know one of my former colleagues, she and her husband are older. And so when they said, you know, quarantine, they stayed home for the most part. But instead of traveling because they couldn't, they started attending classes in Italy art classes put on live in Italy mm-hmm. by curators of museums for people all over the world. Mm-hmm. And in fact, then at po- I think at one point it was wine with a curator and it was like 9 a.m. Hawaii time. And they're like, we're drinking wine with a curator. I'm like, you know, it's a little bit of a problem, you guys, because it's, you know, 9 a.m. But it was just this idea that they developed a new international connections that right. they might not have otherwise have sought out. Mm-hmm. Early on in the pandemic, I had a patient blow me away. She is, she's in her late 70s, and she has been in AA for years. Mm-hmm. She started attending AA meetings around the world. Yes. And figured out, she was trying to teach me how to Zoom dial in internationally. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, it's sad that you're trying to teach me, and you've got quite a few years on me, but I'm going to take notes, and I'm going to learn. Mm-hmm. And it was fascinating. She was attending all these meetings because she wanted to participate, and she was in the group, mm-hmm. but also because there is a whole new dynamic. Yes. And I find it really an open – it's opening up a lot of different opportunities that yes. pre-COVID we may not have recognized. Mm-hmm. Yes, I have, a, I have a patient who only goes to AA meetings in New Zealand now. Yes. Well, you know, the accents alone make me want to listen to everything they have to say. Sure. But I think it's it's curious. It also – it allows people to, if they want to, to not be there in person. Mm-hmm. I think the other element is – if you want to and feel more comfortable turning the video camera off, mm-hmm. but participating, it gives you that confidentiality should you want it. Sure. Right. It's a whole other element. Mm-hmm. These are some amazing things that I have absolutely learned during the COVID pandemic, and mm-hmm. I hope to bring some of these forward. Now, in your practice, using the telemedicine portals, mm-hmm. that's something that's going to continue in perpetuity for mental health professionals, I'm hoping. But like mm-hmm. yourself, it seems to have really expanded the abilities to reach out to folks in your practice. 
Well, you know, it's it's interesting. There was uh, upticks in mental health utilization after 9-11, um, after Gulf War, um, after the, the recession of 2009. Um, but those waves are nothing compared to really what, in terms of mental health utilization, what has happened now. Um, every therapist that I know of in town, in the state, in the country, basically on the planet, um, is is really very, very busy like it's never been. So I, I think that's, it's good that there's so much utilization. Um, and, you know, there's if you're looking for services, just stay with it. There are some people out there that still have openings. Yeah. Well, and I think it's taken away some of the stigma yes. at the very same time mm-hmm. that now it's it's something that has increased and expanded in access and also is now becoming more widely accepted mm-hmm. as a great way to handle some of the stressful changes that are going on in life. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Martin Johnson, thank you again. You've calmed me down already from a busy Monday. Thanks for sharing your expertise with us today on The Body Show. It's been my pleasure. If you'd like to hear this show again, you can click on hawaiipublicradio.org. Follow the links to The Body Show. You can also find us on the HPR app. Our engineer is David Chong. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Less stressed already. We will see you next week when we talk more about health right here on The Body Show. (laughs) 